Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am thrilled to uh, introduce you to Sean Bargewaj, who is the you're the founder and CEO of Aspire 3 down in Ventura. And for those uh, in the 42 countries that listen to the show that don't know where that is, it's about that's about a half hour south of where we're recording. Ventura is just a beautiful, beautiful seaside community. Well, how many people live in Ventura? Uh, it's about 109,000 at last count. 109, so. not to be too specific, but 109. 109,000, yeah. Now, is Aspire a city project or a private project? So that's a great question. We actually started out as a community-based project in partnership with the city of Ventura and thought. others. Uh, but since then, we've evolved into a private venture, and we've got a lot of different arms and, and collaborators in what we do with education, government, economic development across Ventura County. So how is that? Is it like a co-working space or uh, an incubator? I mean, there's there's so many hybrid models that are out there now. They explain what the model is. Yeah. So uh, what we've found is really that um, the city of Ventura has a technology center, an incubator that we have managed over the last couple of years, and it's been transitioning in different ways. And what's that called? Uh, it's called the Ventura Ventures Technology Center. Ventura Ventures Technology Center. Got it. Yes. And what we found over the last few years is a lot of these incubators and accelerators have popped up around the country, really. And the challenge is if you just have a model of what's called co-working, where anyone can come in and if they're working on their projects instead of going to Starbucks, they can come in, rent exactly. a desk, and get Very some of the support. With that. So uh, while that's been great in certain areas, if you have high traffic, the missing piece to connect that with new businesses and new ventures being formed is the support that goes around it. Exactly. And so having programs that involve mentorship or networking and connections to resources, um, or even what we do is programmatic elements that actually yep. take people from the initial stages of developing their idea yep. all the way through creating a solid plan that is you know, more likely to succeed than if they were just sort of doing it ad hoc, and then ultimately launching and keeping those businesses within the community um, requires a programmatic effort. And so that's what we focus on. So that is uh, very, very familiar to me with the um, hothouse up in San Luis Obispo. And they're a, a joint venture with the city, the chamber, and Cal Poly. So is, is your thing a joint venture now? Partially. We have a lot of strategic partnerships with okay. the city of Ventura, okay. yep. um, with others in the community, particularly institutions of higher education, so like the Community College District, Channel Islands, Cal Lutheran. And so it's really been a collaborative so you get effort. content from them, or is that, do you get to tap into their professors and their expertise that way? We actually tap into their professors and expertise Good. and mentors, right. as well right. as delivering some services in partnership with them to students. So we have developed our own curriculum. We actually went through and have looked at a oh, lot really? of the best practices in entrepreneurship. Um, so, you know, our Steve Blanks, our business model canvas, right. lean startups, right. all of those things. 
And we've sort of reverse engineered them down into a format that is easily accessible and understandable uh, by students as young as 10 years old. At what? The, yeah. At, at the same time, the quality of the materials and the tools that we create is such that serial entrepreneurs have found it to be a more effective way for them to sort of conceive of and incubate their own business ideas. So it's really a by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs, um, almost de-jargonized process of entrepreneurship that gives people the best practices and systematically eliminates the most common failure points, which is what leads what are, to the high failure rates for the, startups. Give me the top three. Um, so the big one is all this combination, and it's what's called problem market solution fit. Um, so it's making sure oh, that... So hold on, hold on a second. Sure. So you have the problem. Mm -hmm. That's one. You have the market. Yes. That's two. You have the solution. That's three. And then you have the fit. That's four. Why don't you quickly, so the person who's listening to this maybe had not heard it put this way before, just sure. real quickly what those four are. So um, it's it's more of a triangle, actually. It's with, a triangle. With the triangle. So okay. uh, the fit is just all those pieces fitting together to make a stable triangle. Oh, so the okay. first thing, I got it. The first thing is the problem. Yep. And any solid business idea, any business that's going to be effective has to solve a problem yep. that exists in the mind of its customers. Yep. So the first thing is, do you understand the problem well enough to actually create a solution that Fair actually enough. addresses the problem? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the second piece then is the market, which is who has the problem, who has the problem and who has the resources to pay for the problem being solved. Right. Because your users of the solution might not be the same people who can pay for it. Exactly. So you're problem has to match your market and those two things have to be connected. Seems so obvious and isn't it interesting when you talk to someone and you're like, well, who's going to buy it? Oh, well, we, someone will buy it. Is that, yeah, no. Okay, that's not going to work. And Ex so then the solution in this triangle. Then the solution is that your whatever it is, widget that you're selling your service, your yep. product actually solves the problem and actually is something that is in the price range and in a factor and a usability um, that your market can actually get access to it, pay for it, and use it. And it's amazing how often you will find that at least one or more legs of that triangle yeah. are broken. Completely. And the problem doesn't match the solution, the market doesn't match the solution, the solution doesn't match the market, whichever one it is. Having those three things together um, is one of the most sort of basic and fundamental things you would think about in a business and also one of the most common missing links that causes businesses to fail before they even start. It, it's, it's amazing to me with as much information is available to people now with a simple Google that they, they don't know this part. And, and consequently, that gives you a market, right? Because the, in, in your case, the problem is people don't really understand the nuances of entrepreneurship and getting business started and all of it. And there's, yet, yet there's so many resources, the Small Business Development Center, SBDC, the, the, you, you've got, you know, from freemium to premium solutions, right, to be able to do that. So, so you fit into that niche nicely. Do you also do co-working? I mean, so people could come and do that. So there's, there's a real estate aspect of this as well? There is, but it's much more minor. As, as the years have gone on, we've really shifted to the programmatic piece uh, because that's the key so lever. So come and take classes there? 
Yes. So periodically what we've been doing is these um, acceleration programs, which uh, to those that are trained in the parlance, uh, you know, is this full-time extensive course that you get selected into. Um, we do it a little bit differently. So instead of being full-time, we do our courses two hours, uh, twice a week for 16 weeks. And it's usually done after work. So we say, don't quit your day job until you right. go through the full process and until we can vet your idea out. And we go through the complete nuts and bolts. So you can come into it without having an idea and you will leave having all the tools to actually be able to What's launch. What's the name of that course? Um, it is our Spire 3 Accelerator Program. And we're actually looking to start our next cohort here um, in a few months, uh, probably closer to the new year. So applications will so be there's, going out. So there's an application online. So you, you probably, because of the time commitment, two hours, two times a week, 16 weeks, you probably want to be within driving distance of where you are or even better walking distance. How many in the cohort? Um, so each cohort, we cap at about 30 just to make sure there's high more, I was going to say 10. So you say 30. So yes. with 30, can they get the kind of hands-on with you guys? How many um, instructors are in that program? Uh, so we do kind of an interesting model in that way. Um, in terms of driving distance, we're not just going to be doing it in, uh, in Ventura. We're actually going to be doing it in Camarillo. Um, so it will be central to sort of the Ventura County area. And a lot of our tools and materials are available online. So we run it in a, in a way that you, you know, take some of the work in advance. You watch the videos. You do some of the activities. Then when you come in, we have mentors that will help deepen that process and do a lot of peer work. So um, to address your question of the mentorship and how it works with that large of a group, what we've actually done um, is, is kind of even going back further when you were saying there's a lot of tools and things you can Google, so why do something like this? And there's two reasons. So one is that a lot of the tools and the knowledge that's out there is relatively high level. So you might know what to do, but if you're doing um, entrepreneurship for the first time, you might not know how to actually implement that. You were, gonna, you were saying, if, it's funny, when, you, when I talk to people, they say, well, why, why do you give away so much of your stuff for free? Right? It's like, I give away the what all day long. Right. You got to pay for the how. Exactly. And, and that how is so important because it can be the difference between your company you know, surviving that first year and beyond right, or you right. investing a year of your life, money into something that was going to fail and it just wasn't apparent to you. And so what we've tried to do is consolidate all of that information in a very accessible and actionable way so that you can learn the right steps to take, the right processes to use as you're evaluating every step from generating the idea, identifying the problem, breaking the problem down, designing a solution, and then deciding what kind of business you want to be. So we don't limit ourselves to simply starting startups. We also can work with social businesses. You can create a nonprofit. You can do an internal venture. And the process that we use it's is effective across yeah, all of no, that. Of course, it's all the same. Um, how many uh, cohorts have you had go through the program? So the program has been running on a couple of different levels. We have a, a student program that we've done over the last few years. We had a few thousand students go through that from middle school through high school um, and at the collegiate level, which has been great. Our first acceleration cohort we did um, was this past January. 
And then this uh, fall, we're really gearing up in the spring to do acceleration cohorts for um, both nonprofits and social businesses, as well as for-profit startups, particularly targeting first-time entrepreneurs who right. uh, maybe aren't sure if they you know, have an idea or they want to dip their toe in. And really, we're trying to invite in people who haven't even considered entrepreneurship before, but just have heard about this thing and want to know if it's for them. Uh, because we're finding, like you've said, there's a lot of resources for people who are further along. But if you're coming to it for the first time... So this is... Is this... Seed level or pre-seed level? Uh, pre-seed all the way into seed level. So we start with the absolute basics. So let's let's ex <clears throat> the person who's maybe listening to this show and they're like, oh, "What the? We're, we're already buzzword bingo." <laughs> Explain what pre-seed is. So seed funding is generally the first sort of external funding that a startup gets. So pre-seed is this category where. You're anywhere from, you know, I have an idea on the back of a napkin to hmm, maybe this is for me, all the way to, well, I think this might be something that works for they me. They haven't figured out the triangle yet. They haven't figured out the triangle yet. Maybe they have a plan, but it's not really solid. It wouldn't hold up to an experienced investor or person looking at it and saying this would actually work. You wouldn't survive due diligence. No. And so we say, well, you know, there's a whole lot that's happening in that arena that can either position you to succeed substantially more uh, than the average, or you can sort of have signed your own failure without realizing it because it's not intuitive knowledge. We don't teach this earlier on, and we should, and that's one of the reasons we do the work we do with education. Right, 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 which is why we had startup kids in here, right? Yes. And that whole idea is, is you know, it's right up my alley, of course, and our listener knows that. Do you have, uh, so there's an application, <clears throat> but knowing it's pre-seed, those applications might be a little thin, mm. right? I'm thinking that, uh, you know, TED, I do TEDx Santa Barbara, and we'll get a video submission, like, what's your idea we're spreading, <laughs> right? And it's a two-minute thing, which is just kind of like this, right? It's like, I've got this idea. Mm -hmm. And in, in in your case, it's my idea worth funding, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Right. And uh, and can I communicate that in two minutes on a video? And then I I'm curious what you if do you do a video submission or is it just paper? Um, we previously just did paper. We were considering doing video this time around. Please please do it because yes. the nonverbal and the verbal combine to give you a sense because you you. You deal with these people. This 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 is your market, right? This yes. this group of people. You can tell when you look. I don't need. I could turn the sound off. It doesn't matter. I can tell. I could work with that person, or I can coach that person. So, which leads me to the question of: Do you think that is entrepreneurship? Um, is it in my DNA, or is it something that I can learn? I love that question, and I think uh, for us the answer is both. Um, so, segueing to your last point of what do we look for when we're, you know, coming to a person who maybe doesn't even have the idea, um, we see entrepreneurship as something that's innate to human beings, and we see it really as this desire and ability to say, "I'm at point A, I want to get to point B. What are the resources I have at my disposal, and how do I take steps to get closer to it and ultimately achieve that?" And then we broaden that and say, you know, really to us, entrepreneurship isn't just about um, creating a company for financial gain. What it really is, is solving a problem 
for others that is meaningful to you using the full extent of your skills, abilities, and resources. So that's a social business. I think it's fundamentally all business. Because if you're not creating value for someone else by solving a problem or a need that they have, you won't be in business for very long. Correct. Correct. So it's actually fundamental to how we interact as human beings is we create value for others and we trade it for things that we value. And that can be done on a social spectrum, which I think is very important. And, and you know, I like social business and I see that becoming more a part There's of a normal of business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but really what we look for then is individuals that have three things. You know, the first thing is, do they have a demonstrated passion? And a lot of times people confuse passion from enjoyment. So passion to us is something that you put demonstrated time and effort into, and you've developed a sort of expertise, whether that's personal or professional. The second thing that we look for then is your sort of desire to learn and coachability. Are you hungry for knowledge? Uh, and do you seek knowledge from others and then try to implement and test it and weigh it? So the, the operative word there for me is because desire to learn to me is curiosity, but coachability is is the the key word because I think every, I'm a coach. Every coach needs a coach, in my opinion. I have a coach. Yes. I have a couple coaches, and we to get better. I mean, Kobe had a coach. Magic had a coach. You know, the top one percent have coaches. That's how you get better and keep an edge on it. Not everybody is coachable. Not everybody can take the coaching or implement the coaching. And I think that's a, a key to, in my life, being able to learn things quickly, being told once. I, only, I, I learned that from a chef back in the day. So I'm going to tell you one time. I will not tell you a second time. And he was pretty hardcore about it. <laughs> and consequently, you learn and you listen and you get really good at that. I learned that early on. What's the third thing you look for? So it's exactly building on that, right? I had a mentor once who told me, said, uh, you're going to make mistakes, and I want you to make mistakes, but I want you to make better mistakes than the ones that I did. And really, that's sort of the human knowledge base or immortality, right, is that we learn from others' mistakes and yep. their experiences. Yep. So the third thing is the ability to take initiative and make yourself work in the absence of structure. So it's not that yeah. there's an external pressure on you. It's not that we have to tell you what to do and set your own deadlines. It's in the absence of all of that, can you motivate yourself to put in effort and stay focused on tasks? So self-starter. Self-starter and self-follow through. Oh, okay. Because anyone can start something. It's a matter of day <laughs> you know, 90 when you're bored and you're like, why am I doing this? And I'm doing all this research and it seems like I'm further away than I ever was and I understand it better and therefore I see so many more flaws yeah. and it's no longer this glistening new idea. Yeah. Do I still persist to find the solution and work through it? Discipline is such a big part of this. You know, tr training, execution, discipline, getting up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, doing all the things that you need to do, that's, that, that's all character stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. And the, the interesting thing is that, you know, none of these qualities are something that is, you know, separate from certain human beings and others. Anyone can find their passion. Anyone can desire to learn more and learn to be more receptive and be more coachable. Anyone can find ways to structure themselves and do these things. And so to your earlier point of do people have this in their DNA, I believe so, because human beings all progress forward. We all 
try to do things and get from point A to point B in our lives and we do them to the best of our abilities. So if we could learn how to tap into those and hone those and then add on to that the layer of knowledge and how entrepreneurs see the world and problem solve, well now all of a sudden we're doing something that is innate to every human being. It's not something that is separate from who we are. I love how strongly you believe that. Uh, I don't, I, I, I'm that guy. I don't know that there's a lot of us. Even though, I mean, like I, my wife believes that everybody has a TED talk inside of them. Hmm. It might take a lifetime to find it. Right. Right. And so they, it, it might be that they, they just, they don't have the discipline. They don't have the motivation. They don't have like so. Again, we're back to a, a, a thing of threes, which I, I like uh, a lot. Um, and you have those three legs of that stool, which said, do you have the the character skills, the character strength, and discipline, and passion, and curiosity to go and do this? Be and and I remember someone said, well, why is passion so important? Mm. And I and I thought about that for like a really long time. And I think. One of the reasons passion is important is that you need to tap into something that's going to give you the energy to do what needs to be done when it's no longer fun. Yes. And if you're passionate about it, it's like, yep, good with the bad, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, man. I mean, I, I love, I did a, I had a, a pretty high stakes presentation uh, earlier this week a group of people from around the world had assembled 25 of them and I was called in to do the afternoon session. I had an hour and I got two and a half hours with them. Hmm. And when I came in, I just, sometimes, you know, you connect, right? You just, you connect. And I came out of that just so lit, as you know, right? You right. know, you're just so lit up. It's like, that's, a, it's the, I understood the problem. I mean, to your, to your point with, with the three, uh, I understood the problem. There's the market sitting right in front of me. And the solution I proposed was a perfect fit mm -hmm. for them. And when that all happens, you're like, duh, you know, and you're just it's like, magic. like, oh my gosh, it is magic. But then there's the time where you've got, you know, a hundred in mails in your inbox or you're getting up early or it's just, and it, your passion for it is what gets you going. And if you know that you're disciplined, you know, okay, I mean, I'm gonna just gonna stick through this thing, right? You know, it's, we um, have this philosophy in our home of 20 year plans. Mm -hmm. We have a 20 year plan that we execute 66 days at a time. That's great, that's right? a great it's strategy. It's something we learned from a guy named Bo Eason, who is uh, down in uh, the Agora, Thousand Oaks area. And it's like, have a long view, like long view vector. So it's not quarterly driven. And there's no shortcuts to any of this stuff. I don't care what Absolutely anybody says, not. there's no shortcuts, yep. right? But to do that, you have the discipline of 66 days. So working backwards, where do I want to be in 20 years? Work backwards, what skills do I need to have? What people do I need to meet? What, all of that. And then say, okay, I'm going to pick three of those things. What are the three I need right now? And what can I do in the next 66 days, every day, very, very methodically mm -hmm. to get there? And then I make a new 66-day plan. Then I make a right. new 66-day plan. And because I can do something for 66 days. Yes. Right? You know? Yes. So um, I want to go back to um, 
this ecosystem, we talked about it earlier, the environmental ecosystem, or the entrepreneurial ecosystem. How could we describe that? What do you think are the elements? Let's see if we can do this in threes. What, what are the elements of that ecosystem? So I think, you know, one of the first elements is the entrepreneurs or the entrepreneurial talent, if you will. Okay. Right. That's got to be one of them. I think the, uh, the second component is going to be then education. Uh, yeah. And then I think the third leg of that is really going to be the environment that they're in. And I use that term to, you know, keep with our alliterative theme, uh, but also to... That. Uh, also to sort of encompass within that, right, the economic development uh, goals and organizations and really the community around them. Uh, because it, it's a truism and, and everyone says this, but it really takes a village to raise a startup, right? It's, it's not, there is nothing in business or anything that lasts that we do as human beings uh, in this arena that is going to survive a long period of time if you're just doing it alone. Other people oh, are going to have to be involved at amen. some point, yeah. right, consistently. And the more, the, the better you are at getting people involved, the better, the more successful you will be. Absolutely. I, um, I people, our listener knows I'm a Tedster and I run TEDx Santa Barbara and been involved in TED for 20 years and been doing a, a new show called Hacking the Red Circle, hmm. where I talk to TEDx organizers. And because it's called Hacking the Red Circle, it's how do we do a, you know, a million dollar event for 20 grand, right? Right. Like that's, that's the hack. And so I always ask him what, you know, what, what's that free thing you do that makes all the difference, mm. right? What's, that's the, so that's the kind of the hook on the show. Like we end the show with that. 30% of them have to do with building a good team and don't, try to do it yourself. It's not about you. It's about the team. It's about giving them the experience of working on it. And to the point of being an entrepreneur, there's so many that have this mistaken idea that, oh, it's my idea. I've got to hold on to that tight idea and I can't share that idea. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I get trade secrets and intellectual property and all that stuff, but dude, you're just no way you're going to do it by yourself, right? Right. Even if, it, even if it's the partnership as it extends to the partnership you have with your supply chain and the partnership you have with your customers. Yes. And at a certain point, right, someone else is going to see what you're doing. And really, we say the, the value of an idea is in the quality of its execution. So when it's on the back of a napkin, it's worth the amount that the napkin is, right? Because you executed it on the back of a napkin. So say that one again. I like that. The value of an idea is? Is in the quality of its execution. Got it. Have you read the book Execution? I have not. It is on my list. It's on there you go. It's a it's it's a great book. There's another book. Um, I, I almost want to do a show that's just about good books we've read mm. that have helped us. Yes. Um, I do another show where I I said okay because he has a thousand books on his phone, a thousand. Wow. And he's he's all about that, and I I love that as well. But uh, for our listener and for you, there was a book written. 40 years ago at Cal Poly by two architecture professors called The Universal Traveler, A Soft Systems Guide to Creativity and Problem Solving. Hmm. Self, it was published up there. It just came out on Amazon again uh, three years ago. It is, it, it was the book that changed everything for me because it gave me a roadmap to the 
seven stages to solving any problem, any problem. And I use it literally every week. My, my copy of my book is all dog-eared, but uh, this execution is that la- it's the second to the last stage because mm-hmm. the last stage is evaluation. Yes. How did we do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't do that. Yes, that right. is very true. Right? They don't. So, so how did, did we pick the best idea? Did we pick the best process? Did we, uh, do we, did we understand our market well enough? Did we, because there's, you know, there's so much of that. So I'm going to ask the next question is, uh, the cohort that you had in January, they graduated out, they were four months. How many of them, how much attrition did you have and how many of them do you think are going to achieve escape velocity? It's a great question. So we started out again with a group of people that didn't have their ideas set. They sort of came in and had some loose concepts, but nothing fully formed. Uh, So we actually on that cohort just took 12 individuals. And of those 12, uh, we had five who, as they went through the process, realized that they were not in a stage in their lives to actually start a venture. Right. And it just wasn't something fail fast and they kept their day jobs and everything so they they said you know this is great but now that I see what this takes I realize I am not ready so I will revisit this in the future self-aware enough they still went through the whole program so they have the tools and the resources that they can pick it up so um, that five was out then another four uh, actually paired with some of the other teams that were working on it because they liked the other ideas more than they liked their own yep. as they continued to evolve them and yep. realized they wanted to be part of a team rather than pursue their own individually. And then of the 12, then there were three that are currently in progress and developing. Um, and of those three, there's one that um, we're looking to sort of get out of stealth mode and, and launch over here by the new year. Um, so it was pretty exciting as far as a case study group goes because everyone got something from the program. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a lot of people sort of falling out from a discouraging perspective of saying, well, I'm not good enough and I can't do this. Everyone found their place in the ecosystem, right? And not everyone can or should immediately today start a venture, but I think learning those skills and being on that path and being connected to people in that arena might give you an outlet to leverage some of the skills right. and things you've developed. Right. So we're excited now to then broaden that reach and invite in you know, more people at scale and say, okay, now we know this process works, it's effective, the learning was valuable. We did our evaluation, interviewed all of them, see what they got from it. And so now we're taking those learnings and, and building upon them for this next cohort. What's the future of the program? What's it look like? What's, what's your, I mean, I, I won't make you do a 20 year plan, but give me a three year plan. Um, so we're actually very excited to be working on a, on a new project, uh, which we're um, not you fully don't have ready to, you don't to, have to announce. fully announce stuff. That's okay. Uh, but just but give me a direction vector. It's going to be um, a, a centralized innovation hub. So we're looking at oh. a one-stop shop. So rather than co-working, um, just being uh, disconnected people working together, a facility where we can have educational training and programs combined with events and meetups of a lot of different technology and business sectors yeah. um, with that co-working that's available uh, with freelancers, resources, and service providers that can collaborate with new ventures and new businesses and new people who are forming ideas and are willing to 
coach and provide that advice. Um, and then also to bring in some industry, educational, economic development partners in the same facility to then have resources to scale those ideas and right. connect them to a larger network. Throw some fuel at it. Exactly. So that's the physical part of it. And we're continuing to develop our programs uh, online and digitally to make them accessible to people no matter where they are so that they can you know, have this virtual pre-seed acceleration right. program available. How many people on the team? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that's the secret, isn't it? So um, we have uh, a few part-timers and myself. So all told, we're about two and a half people on the core team. But like with everyone else, we have lots of partners that are putting in more than their fair share of, of full-time stuff. If someone so. wanted to um, uh, volunteer to help or be a mentor or be part of the ecosystem, or if someone wants to sign up for the, the upcoming cohort, where do they find you? Yes, so uh, we are available on the web, and the best thing to do would be to you know either tweet at us or, or send us an email at info at aspire and then the number three dot com. Where does the three come from? I mean, we've been talking about three all day, <laughs> so I'm going to answer my own question. But yeah, where does the three have a story? So you'll notice that you know the it, the three was sort of the e cubed, um, and you'll notice the multiple e's we use. But uh, initially, we started out with this idea of entrepreneurial educational experiences. And then we sort of have evolved into doing these entrepreneurial educational ecosystems. Um, so the three really connects with that. And then we have internally three values. You know, there's the problem market solution fit. So the number has a lot of resonance to the organization as well. I think we just found the title of our show. I like entrepreneurial educational ecosystems. What do you think about that as a title? Unless you have another one. I, I think it sounds great because ultimately what we're trying to do, and, and we welcome anyone that wants to participate, learn more in any way, shape, or form, um, and we're really a more is better in entrepreneurship. So everything that's it's happening always, in Santa Barbara and yeah. in, in the other schools with Startup Kids, with oh, CI. There's, and there's so much stuff. It's great. You're right. And, and we need more people to come take advantage of the great resources that are available. So anyone that wants to come play, share, and learn, Yay. you know, let's do it together. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I appreciate it, buddy. Mark, thanks for having and me. And best of luck to you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>